board. Hey, everybody. Um, welcome to Melrose Sheltering in Place. I'm Nan. And I'm Christopher. And I'm excited about things inside and outside of Melrose Place. Well, that's cool. <laughs> Just so y'all know, we were in the middle of having a conversation about how I'm a chaos Muppet um, right before we jumped on recording. Christopher, are you a chaos? Like, are you more? I feel like... I saw this thing recently where it was like people are either chaos Muppets or they're, I forgot the term for the other kind of Muppet because I'm a chaos Muppet, so I can't be bothered to remember the other kind. But like, I guess an organized Muppet or like, uh, which kind of Muppet are you? I'm definitely the other kind. Um, There are some aspects about my personality that I'm not really proud of. Like, um, excuse me, I'm always trying to um, find the most efficient way possible to do every dumb little thing I'm doing. And it gets really dumb, like even walking from one end of the room to the other and I need to carry certain things with me. And I'm like, oh, if I take the coffee cup this time and then I can bring back the thing. You know, I think I overthink everything, everything. (laughs) That makes sense. I feel like I do overthink things, but I still end up just like the way I go about doing stuff is is very well okay i'll say this this is the funny thing i feel like inside my head i'm constantly thinking about what's my plan and i'm like rearranging it Mm. to fit whatever the metrics are of the moment so it's like i'll sit there and think about i'm gonna do this and then i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do this like i am constantly thinking about the order in which my activities are gonna go but then i'm rearranging that based on like you know changes to the sketch right shit goes down and it's funny because I, that also means that sometimes I'm not doing things in the same order another person w- would. So I, t- I can tell sometimes that my spouse thinks that I'm actually not thinking about it at all. But that's just because I put the dishes like fifth on the list instead of first, mm-hmm. which is where he would put it. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I definitely feel like because I'm constantly willing to rearrange it. I come across as more chaotic than other folks Mm. because I'm just like, oh, a thing popped up that I really want to do and I have to do it. If I want to do it, I have to do it right now. So I'll put (laughs) this other thing that I was going to do right now over here on this part of the list. Like, it's just like a, I don't know, my brain's just constantly moving pieces around. It, It sounds to me like you're actually much better equipped to deal with, um, you know, changes and uh inconveniences and stuff than i am because <laughs> um you know i'm a planner and when the plan starts going astray that really messes with me and um i feel like you're able to just roll with the punches a little better than i ever could um i can roll with the punches but i also sometimes will act very moody about it so i mean you know it's not like Mm. uh it's not like i'm always a pleasure to deal with Mm. well i might let it be known that i'm irritated even though i'm totally willing to like rearrange what i'm doing it's so (laughs) dumb anyway (laughs) well for me um i am highly irritated constantly but it's also very important for me to regulate how much people know about how I feel. Um, oh, so, okay, now that is relatable. Uh, I, like... pr- I pretend not to be <laughs> irritated because I don't want to like escalate situations or bring down the mood or, you know, all the. I mean, things. for me, it's like also I was told, I was literally, I feel like I was literally told by the people who raised me that you don't want other people to know they got 
they got to you like oh, emotionally yeah. because then it's like giving them power and, and which is you know i understand how that sounds look i'm in therapy like what do you want from me i go to AA. it's fine i'm like working on myself but sometimes i'm just like okay you know don't let people know they got to you never let them see you sweat yeah never let them see you yeah never like i remember i re- like growing up and even it well into my adulthood you know that thing that happens I mean, we might have talked about this before where somebody like throws a drink in someone else's face like on a tv show or whatever um are you still there i'm here okay and so uh and i always would be like i could never do that because i wouldn't want anybody to know i was mad enough to throw a drink in their face you know what i mean like anyway um so this has been psychology corner with Hmm. chaos muppet and not chaos muppet the other kind (laughs) of muppet um so what else is going on um well a big change that you might not might not have seen yet is that i have a new vehicle now Oh. And um, I drive a cargo van now. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, so it, it happened in a... In the Pacific Northwest? Are you becoming a serial killer? You know, I hadn't realized that that was an option for me. <laughs> um, I feel like the Pacific Northwest has more serial killers than anywhere else. Is I, that real? Well, you know, uh, Ted Bundy and the Green River Killer are totally right. from here. Um, and I'll tell it you, it seems like a good place to murder people. I mean, oh yeah, anyway. all the woods and you know. Right. Um, God, so I, I, I'm not super into you know true crime, blah blah. But I have to say, um, the the Killer Beside Me by Anne Rule, which is about Ted Bundy, is a really good book. Oh, I've been meaning to read that. I've only read one of her books, and it was about this mom that like. Uh, shot her kids out on a country road and then tried to claim someone else did it it was a really good book and the story is really wild but um i've been meaning to read that one in particular because that's one of her most famous books the one about ted bundy and how she kind of like had a friendship with him or whatever yeah they were and then found out that he was a killer (laughs) they worked together Uh, yeah they had like a relationship before everybody knew that he was a murderer right well and the the interesting thing too is that they worked together like at a crisis hotline which is um, (laughs) a very strange, uh, you know, thing for someone who um, rapes and murders women to be doing on the side. But um, yeah. Um, Okay. So you got a cargo van. Yeah. I have a cargo van now. And it's (laughs) really not a true crime comedy podcast. Okay. Like we cargo van go. Well, but you know, you made me realize how, (laughs) how serial killer I seem because yesterday I bought um, sun shields for all the windows that I could put up if I want to, not just the drivers, like the windshield and the driver's side, the passenger side, but like I can cover every window and all that gets here. Oh my so, gosh. So yeah, it could totally look like a, a murder van should I choose to. And Oh my gosh. Um, can you get a personalized license plate that says murder van? <laughs> well, you know, I might consider that if not for the fact that for my aluminum anniversary my husband got me vanity plates that have our secret word on them which i guess means it's not a secret word anymore uh yeah it's on your license plate yeah so now what is what is your license plate Um, it's the word it's (laughs) s-m-y-d-r-f so it's smitterf and the way we use it is like in place of like okay or got it in text messages Uh. Um, and the way it was born was we were picking up our wedding tuxes in downtown Seattle. 
and we didn't want to pay for parking because it's just like a quick errand. So he was driving around the block and he said, text me when you, when you're ready. And so, you know, I have two heavy tuxes over my shoulder and I have one hand to text with. So I just, with my thumb did a string of letters and it uh, was, yeah. and it was S M Y D R F. So that's what it is. Um, cool. And now it'll cool. be interesting to see if I can get that plate again, because I just took those plates off the car that I'm supposed to sell this weekend to some friends. And then, you know, when we transfer the title from my mother-in-law to me, I don't know if we can right then apply for the same vanity plate or if you even can get the same vanity plate twice. We have to figure that out. It's like one step at a time. It was really difficult to figure out how to sell my car to people who live in Olympia, which is pretty far away. Yeah, all this car selling stuff, I remember, I mean, I remember I sold my car just person to person, you know, like some people just came by and bought it. And then like a few months later, I got a notice saying that I owed a bunch of tolls on our tollway. <laughs> and I was like, Ugh, bummer, but I got that worked out. And then like trying, like I bought my car from a friend and like trying to get the registration transferred to me yeah. or like to register, trying to register the car in my name. Cause the bank had to do something and they weren't doing something they were supposed to do. And this, that, and the, it was such a beating, um, <laughs> trying to, to organize person to person selling like all the registration and all that kind of stuff was uh, just awful. Yeah. And it's funny because we could like there, it's so complicated and it's also way different in a lot of different States. So, yeah. Um, like, you know, I'm able to speak with a little bit of authority now on a couple of things for Washington state, but you may as well not even listen if I do. <laughs> right. It's yeah. Different. Um, so, and it got more complicated because the car wasn't in my name. The, the registration was, Oh, uh, your car. My car was not in my name. Um, it ended up in Garrett's name for some reason when we got it. Uh, the registration was no longer at our address because Garrett was worried about me opening the license plates when the package came, even though I never open stuff that doesn't have my name on it. So he had it sent to his mother-in-law <laughs> Yeah, or my mother-in-law, he had it sent to his parents' house and in in doing that, accidentally registered our car at their address. Oh my gosh. Um, we couldn't find the title, so we had to get an affidavit for that. Um, he's waiting on the title for his car, which hopefully might be in the mail today. And then once we're done with the car stuff, we still have to transfer the cargo van into my name. And it's even more complicated because the reason all this happened was she wanted a new car and she drove the cargo van before she decided she didn't want the cargo van. We were taking her car shopping and she hated every minute of it. And she hated new cars and all their features. So she wanted Garrett's car. She bought Garrett a car. So it's like this complete switcheroo. Everybody is driving something. Oh my gosh. This situation sounds very complicated. Yep. We have in the process getting rid of two cars. One got traded in. I'm selling one. Um, you know, Oh, it's, it's a lot. And it's not even done yet, but I have the van and I'm already doing stuff to it. I have a backup camera being installed in a week. Um, you know, yada, yada. <laughs> okay. Christopher. Yeah. Can we stop recording? Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to three, two, one, and then we'll stop at the same time. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Stop. All right, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had to take a little break. I, um, 
you know, we're recording this on a Saturday morning. I had not yet had my morning uh, trip to the... Uh, I hadn't pooped yet. Anyway, so I really had to poop. And um, so and we do poop talk here. I know some people don't like that. And you don't have to listen. But anyway, <laughs> I had to poop. So I went poop. And apparently something happened. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mentioned selling my car. Um, and the this is a thing that's happening over Instagram, my friend. You know, that's how we talk is Instagram. And... Um, <laughs> So I went to go check just in case um, I got a message from her because, you know, they've been, um, you know, staying in a remote location, a cabin for a week. And it's supposed to happen this weekend. And there wasn't a message, but I had a notification for our Instagram Melrose Sheltering in Place account. And so I went to the notifications for there and it said Sandra Padilla 82 started following you. So we have a new follower. And I was like, oh, oh, but the icon is in a bikini. I better look a little closer. So I went to their profile and Sandra Padilla 82's profile says, I will play pussy and masturbate in front of the camera. Oh my gosh. Watch my naked video here. Wow. (laughs) So I like to pretend that she sounds exactly like um, Melania Trump. Um, I I will play pussy and masturbate in front of the camera. (laughs) Your accent work there is... A plus, buddy. Thanks. Thanks, you know. <laughs> I can't do accents at all. I always go into it thinking I'm gonna nail this, and then I'm just like, nope, totally uh, don't know what accent that was. But I'm really bad at them. Way off. If if that really <laughs> sounded good, and you weren't just being facetious, no, I was, was being fr- a smartass. Okay. I'm so sorry. I I am a smartass. Well, I'm a very too. sarcastic person. It's probably why I don't have any friends. Uh, I don't know. You have me. <laughs> Oh my God. I saw, what was I watching recently? And they went to Vegas where they talked about Vegas Melrose Place. and I was just like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, Melrose place, but also something else. And I was like, Oh my God, Vegas. Also. Oh my God. Okay. I know the, the interstitials beginning or whatever, this conversation is going on for long. We should get into the episodes, but, um, I have become obsessed <laughs> With So I was like, I've been, you know, kind of trying to think about like, oh, uh, you know, traveling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I was like, oh, you know, I would, I have several people I want to go see in Chicago. Ooh. One of them is Brian Gregory. Hey, Brian. I'm sure is not listening to our yeah. podcast because we're not his jam, but it's fine. And then, but my friend Dustin, who does listen to the podcast and, um, Dustin will also love what I'm about to share. Um, but uh so i looked up i was like oh i should take the amtrak from dallas to chicago i've been wanting to do that i've been wanting to take the amtrak somewhere and like i wanted to figure out what you know i was just looking it up to see what it would cost and like all this stuff so then i fell in a hole just like (laughs) looking up train trips could take the train here take the train there what would this be like how long is this oh i was like oh i've been wanting to go to new york and the flights have been really expensive what would happen if i took the train to new york how long would it take what would it cost me and um so then i was telling dustin this because i know that he had taken the train from like san fran to chicago and that's like a really famous train uh line like a trip or whatever and so then he turned me on to this YouTube channel called Simply Railways, where this guy, <laughs> he's French, and he works for a railroad. 
and he takes like basically the channel is just like him taking different train trips all over the United States and Europe and like all into other parts of the world and um basically he like films the whole trip and he doesn't talk he like films everything and then he'll put like uh you know words on the screen that describe sort of like what's happening and what he thinks about it like oh this table in the sleeper car is too small or like this is how the shower works i don't like this part or i like this part this is great or like and but you're basically just watching somebody on a train trip like it's so i love it i have watched literally since dustin turned me on to simply railways i have watched probably 20 hours of train trips and that was like in a week so anyway um i mean i watch it while i'm doing homework i watch it while i'm working i'm not just like sitting there watching um the guy take train trips but um although i honestly i would but um (laughs) anyway so i'm thinking i'm like plotting um my amtrak uh tour of the west or whatever wow Uh, so anyway good times coming to a city near you <laughs> and simply railways i i'm telling you if you're one, if you're like me and you're one of those people who has to have background things on at all times um simply railways i on youtube totally recommend it's funny that you talk about not paying 100 percent attention to a show because really for me there's only ever two shows that I pay 100% attention to. The first one being whatever I'm watching in bed at the time because, you know, I don't use my phone while I watch stuff in bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other is Melrose Place because I, yeah, I have to do the outlines. So I have to really focus and do nothing but the outline. And um, earlier when we were talking about like Chaos Muppet versus, you know, Hyper Organized Muppet or whatever we're calling the other Muppet, um, I was like, oh, yeah. This is a perfect example. Christopher, <laughs> I watch the episodes and I'm like, wee, what's happening? And then meanwhile, Christopher makes like a whole Excel sheet with like detailed <laughs> notes and like all kinds of stuff. So this is a perfect segue yeah. into talking about the episode. So um, this episode is season three, episode 16, and it's called Bye Bye Baby. And we're going to have some really fun characters uh some like really fun famous uh character uh actors come into this season guest stars Um, guest stars uh (laughs) coming in starting with this episode but all throughout we're gonna have a couple people that when they came on i was like oh my god it's that person (laughs) so um amanda comes to D D and finds efficiency expert caitlin mills at her desk and caitlin mills is played by (gasps) Jasmine Guy. Ah! Oh my God. She came on and I texted Christopher immediately and I was like, Jasmine Guy. <laughs> um, so anyway, love Jasmine Guy. Kind of made me want to rewatch um, Different Worlds, uh, which I watched from start to finish when it came on Netflix a couple years ago. You could also do Dead Like Me, which is another great show she's on. Oh, uh, I never really watched that one. I think I've seen a couple episodes randomly because I think it came on like late night on PBS for a while or something. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, it was, uh, it was like a cable show, like HBO kind of thing, I think. So. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> she was hired by Peter to trim the fat around the office. Amanda heads to the hospital to tear Peter a new asshole <laughs> for hiring Caitlin without consulting her first. Michael arrives to also tear Peter a new asshole for reducing his schedule, and Peter blows him off. 
Later, Amanda and Peter meet up with some business dudes for dinner, and one of them shadily passes Peter an envelope on the way out. Strangely, mm. they also waited until then to ask one another what they do for a living. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was really, like, like random. That's not how it works. <laughs> you would have brought yeah. it up earlier. Um, Amanda comes to D&D and finds efficiency expert. Oh, wait. Uh, Allison and Terry are both leaving Twin Oaks. And he gives her his phone number. He reaches for her bag, and they get so close that they can't resist kissing. She introduces him to Billy outside, and Billy recognizes him from football. Back at Melrose Place, there's a party in the courtyard to welcome Allison back with a toast over sparkling cider. Sydney makes a dumb comment about not seeing Allison around shooters anymore, and Jane gives her a dress. Allison watches everyone bust out beers through the blinds. After boning, Peter tells Amanda that she did an amazing job at dinner the night before. He t- he tries to explain that Caitlin was a gift because she's overworked, but Amanda says she diminishes, diminishes her power. When he gets up to shower, Amanda snoops in the mysterious envelope and finds a check for $25,000. She asks what his project with the business dudes is, and he explains that they're developing a heart drug, which he's endorsing, and that's a quid pro quo for all the business he sends their way. Allison comes to Amanda's office and Amanda makes a snide comment that she should have come in early on her first day back. Um, she explains that D&D is a war zone with double the work and an efficiency expert scrutinizing everything. Amanda gives her a pile of work and says to meet her at 7 p.m. But Allison needs to do, a six, do it at 6 because she has an AA meeting. Billy asks her to dinner and then offers to order Chinese when Allison explains she might have to work all night. Caitlin visits Amanda, who asks her to fire Allison because they have too much to do and can't get dragged down in by alcoholic Allison. Caitlin explains <laughs> that she's an alcoholic, seven years sober, and apparently Ghost Bruce didn't change Amanda much. Yeah, remember how there was a whole, like, it's yeah. a wonderful life, yeah. and Amanda was, like, supposed to be a changed woman. And- yeah, she was like, yeah, I mean, are we shocked? Yeah. Yeah, um... Amanda does this thing like through all these episodes where she's like, we had this alcoholic employee and it was just such a beating and it was so (laughs) terrible and she was so terrible and (laughs) it's just so funny. But I really, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that when Caitlin was like knowing what happens further in the episode, you know, I assume that what Caitlin, when Caitlin was like, don't talk about her like that. I'm an alcoholic too. You know, we can, we can get shit done. I'm not sure that's 100% real. I think she was just fucking with Amanda because Maybe. she came in to basically undercut Amanda. Yeah, there was a scene later. I'm not going to say who, but there was a bottle of champagne popped and she did not take a glass of it. So I'm not sure, but I, I could totally see it being a, just totally made up. Right. Um, Allison runs into Terry at their first AA meeting and they talk below a boom microphone <laughs> boom in the shot. i really have to start paying closer attention you point it out every time and i never catch it <laughs> and i should just be looking for it at this point like i'm gonna get so distracted now every scene i'm just gonna be like looking for that boom mic um she asks him to coffee but he says he's not ready to face the public instead he invites her to his place to watch a movie and eat chinese food which is what she's supposed to be eating with billy she calls him to tell him she can't make it and terry brings out a bowl of popcorn and two 
um, Hanson sodas, which they don't touch at all because <laughs> they bone on the couch immediately. And that was a huge, huge bowl of popcorn. And then, <laughs> you know, they probably just knocked it over and made a huge mess. Um, <sighs> they rolled around in the popcorn naked, <laughs> sexy. Um, eating, Amanda... eating off each other's tits. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Amanda surprises Michael at his car and asks him to spy on Peter, reminding him that he owes her because she got him his job back. Um, the next morning, Amanda waits for Billy in the courtyard to ask him to ingratiate himself with a Caitlin and find out what she really wants. Meanwhile, Allison asks Terry if he just fell off the wagon since he's a sex addict, but um, he assures her it's okay if they bone. Billy finds Allison at the office and asks her endless questions about the night before, trying to catch her in a lie about what she was doing. Michael finds the card guard Prill research <laughs> file and discovers funding was discontinued in 1993. He calls the accounting department at the pharma company pretending to be Peter's assistant and they confirm for him that they've paid Peter $25,000. He goes to Peter's office um, to tell him that he knows about the kickbacks he's getting and implies that he'll be blackmailed if he doesn't do whatever Michael wants. I mean, per, you know. Forever, Michael. Forever, like, literally any chance to blackmail somebody. He's going to take it. <laughs> um, Billy takes Caitlin out to dinner, and she tells him Peter's going to fire everyone on Billy's team except him. Um, she. I don't know how... How is Billy always, like, and everyone's good graces? I mean, is this just, like, typical white guy thing where he just, mm. like, is always... It's like he's never... He's always in the circle um somehow just unwittingly he everyone's just hot for him i guess <laughs> um she asks like at some point i think somewhere in these episodes this comes up and so and he and i don't know like somebody says like well you're a good writer or something and i'm just like i'm not buying any of this oh i know what it was it was when um Amanda was saying how he was such a great asset, even as like a senior executive, because he's a good writer. Oh, yeah. Nothing about that makes sense. Yeah. Um, up to and including Billy being a good writer. You can't convince me. Cannot convince me that that man does any writing. Um, <laughs> she asks for confidential performance reports on all personnel and confirms that it is indeed a loyalty test. She says she'll save one person if he wants her to. And I think we all knew who that was going to be. He doesn't say in this moment, but, you know, it comes up later. And we all knew it was going to be Allison. Allison visits Jane at the design studio to gush about Terry. Jane warns her to take it slow because they met in unusual circumstances. Yes. Always take your rehab relationship slow. Well, um, and this is only what I'm getting from, like, popular culture um, but in every other movie and TV show, they're always like, we can't date. We're in AA together. Um, well, I mean, okay. So lots of people formerly, I mean, full disclosure, I married a person that I met in Alcoholics Anonymous. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you can, I mean, in my opinion, you can, uh, have relationships with people that, you know, in AA. I mean, I know lots of people who got married and had relationships with people they knew in AA. The general rule of thumb is that it's recommended that you try not to have any dating relationships with anybody in or out for at least a year. Um, that's not a hard and fast rule. We don't really believe in rules in Alcoholics Anonymous um, because we don't like them um, and tend to want to break them on purpose. But, um, and I mean, it's mostly just because you really haven't dis developed discernment 
you know, or like know who you are. You have not really had a relationship with yourself probably for a very long time. So it's really more just like to help you, uh, you know, kind of figure out who you are and what you're looking for. And then you can start to date, but plenty of people date in the rooms. I think that you do have to watch out for creepers and all that, you know, the usual stuff. Um, but I married somebody that I met in AA. Um, so, you know, it can be done. Um, uh, where are we? But yes, the, this, I mean, dating is dating the, you know, like fresh out of rehab and you're both like dating. And also the other person has this added layer of like sex addiction stuff. That's tricky. That's yeah. ill-advised, um, in this moment. So, um, where was I? Oh my god! I pushed the uh, oh yes, my box Kimberly finally makes an appearance to tell Michael he's crazy if he thinks she'll forget about the baby business. He assures. Okay, so a thing that happens over these episodes is I feel like they are actually like Michael and Kimberly have kind of just embraced the dynamic of their relationship. <laughs> You know, like they're they're in, right? Like they both know each other are like evil and crazy, and they're just like embracing it, or something. Is that the vibe you're getting? I'm, that's yeah, the vibe I'm getting. They don't really seem like they have any plans that don't include each other. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like you. Yes. Totally. I have to imagine so, the sex is phenomenal. I mean, off the charts. I'm absolutely sure. Um. He assures her he's about to be given a sweet promotion because he has dirt on Peter. Like, I love this. Like, she's like, don't think I'm going to forget about stealing babies. And he's like, well, don't think I'm not making us money through blackmail. <laughs> um, Michael calls Amanda and lies to her, saying the Cardaprill study is legit. Um, Billy comes to Amanda's office with the reports Caitlin wants and warns her that Caitlin will probably take her job or at least get rid of her. Amanda starts shredding reports that have negative comments about her. Peter, shirtless and in jeans with the button undone, pours champagne and makes a toast to Caitlin. He's at her place. They've just boned and he tells her he she gets to be the one to fire Amanda. He also thinks he's going to fire Michael. They bone some more. Billy shows up with the files and sees them going at it on the couch and leaves with a shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> Joe's interviewing uh, nannies and doesn't think Jake would be much help when Emily Baldwin calls down from below instead of coming up and knocking on the door like a normal person. <laughs> She's basically Mary Poppins and Joe even says so. Joe offers her the job and tells Emily she hasn't chosen a name yet and Emily is sympathetic to Joe's need for discretion. Mm. Emily offers Joe some hot cocoa while she uh, signs on while she sings to the baby but makes a mysterious phone call and tells whoever is on the line it's Emily I'm in um Jake's bummed that Joe's moving back to New York um while she takes a photo of the baby with Jake she tells him she's named him Austin um and Emily gets back and Joe tries to take a photo with her but Emily refuses and I mean obviously it's because she's you know there to steal the babies. So Joe calls <laughs> Emily into like I mean, you saw that coming from a mile away from the from that from the beginning, right? Yeah. Like that she yeah. Yeah. Um too perfect. <laughs> 
And uh, Emily, wait, uh, since she's obviously a spy, Emily asks where she's going and if she can call her right, then offers to drive Joe to the airport. Emily grabs Austin from a bassinet in the living room and tells him his new mom will give him a better name. Emily brings Austin out to the car and peels once Joe peels out. Um, once Joe puts him in the car seat, leaving her behind. Um, so Emily steals the baby. Dun dun. And I also am kind of curious. I mean, it had to happen for the plot, but why would Joe hire a nanny when she's going to be there for like four more days tops? I don't know. That is so. Also, like, why does Joe need a nanny? It doesn't seem like she's really working right now. Right. And she's like, I, I don't understand why she felt like she needed a nanny because she, um, is always also there. Yeah. So I, it, it's funny cause normally stuff like this really dings my radar, but this somehow did not, but you, it, it totally is like <laughs> very obviously just a plot point because they had to get the baby stolen somehow. So they were like, let's have her hire a nanny. Then she'll steal the baby. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. That's yeah. That's the quality that we expect. <laughs> <laughs> you can like, it's so funny. The show is just like a series of things that happen literally just to make other things happen like that is the show yeah i guess you know it really really is a soap opera it just happens to only be on one day a week instead of five and it's filmed on the higher quality setting on the camera right (laughs) no it is completely a soap opera like these are the kinds of shows too where i find myself watching and i'm always like do these people ever get to just relax? Jesus, there's like always something happening. Like there's always somebody gunning for somebody's job, trying to sleep with somebody's person, trying to steal some baby, trying to like kill somebody, trying to, you know, blackmail people. (laughs) Like it's just the never ending. I mean, this just does not seem like a fun life to me. Yeah, like if I were any of those people, I might consider like moving to Seattle after all, you know? Yeah, I'd be like, maybe I should just move to like Wisconsin and like chill the fuck out. This seems really intense. Thank goodness for Sandy. At least she got out. Right? Yeah, no kidding. And Rhonda. And Rhonda. (laughs) All right, so... Um, season three, episode 17 is a double episode, which I believe it's the first time this has happened. There's been like to be continued before, but this is our first two hour episode. And it was funny cause I didn't realize that until I got quite a way into it. And I was like, why isn't this ending? That's cause it's, uh, supersized. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I stopped it. I watched it in shifts and I stopped it and I was like, I'd been watching for a long time and there was still 50 minutes left. It was a very long episode. It was yeah. like the Melrose movie. <laughs> and you know what? Um, it had to be supersized to contain the star power. So- oh yeah. We get our second star appearance in this in this one yep so uh do we think that back when it aired this was originally aired like as a very like it's so it's very random do we know like i think it aired all at once on one night i think they had like a special two hour melrose okay 
because you know it didn't have any like cut in the middle right or anything um so that must have been like oh my god a double episode of melrose place everybody pop your popcorn and get the hansen soda <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so peter finishes boning caitlin and he says he needs to head to the hospital so that he can beat michael there she's annoyed that he's even still in the picture and the same goes for amanda she's ready to fire her amanda stops by sydney's to collect her rent which is late and tells her that everybody's rent is going up sydney's is going up two hundred dollars and she needs the full new amount or 30 days notice by the end of the week and um that's not legal um for something to go up that fast with no notice but anyway that's melrose place um caitlin wants to switch insurance companies to save dnd forty thousand dollars which is hilarious to me um, because it's supposed to be the biggest ad agency in california and they're like making everybody change their insurance policies for forty thousand dollars okay but anyway the only hitch is that everybody has to take a drug test she says amanda should make the announcement and then she calls peter to tell him that the plan is in motion Amanda calls a meeting and reminds everybody that drug use is grounds for immediate dismissal. And Billy tells Allison that he saw Caitlin and Peter doing it. And he asks Allison if he should tell Amanda about it. She says to stay out of it, <laughs> which, you know, is, there's really no winning here, right? It's like alien versus predator, whichever one wins, we all die. Um, <laughs> Terry arrives to take Allison to AA and Billy makes a jealous comment, but Allison denies that they're dating, which is a huge lie. Uh, <laughs> Sydney visits Jane at the design studio to suggest that they move in together to cope with the rent increases. But Jane suggests that she find a roommate like a normal person for her one bedroom apartment. Um, <laughs> sure it, who's in the efficiency now maybe <laughs> anyway um sure that he's getting a promotion via blackmailing peter michael looks through real estate listings for something nicer than the beach house kimberly is naturally turned on by the subterfuge <laughs> this is what i mean by like they're just leaning in yeah like, this is all foreplay for them, for sure. Like, ooh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Over golf, Michael lays out the details of the blackmail. Basically, lots of extra work for Michael, or he'll tell on him. Peter says, that's fine, but he needs a favor. <laughs> Michael will handle the administrative financial details of another research project. So basically... Michael is saying, I know that you are doing illegal things. And Peter says, oh, it's cool. You, you can be in on it. How about that? <laughs> so Peter wants to bone, but Amanda says she's tired. He says that she's warm and has swollen glands and busts out some antibiotics for her. Um, because that's what everybody should carry around. <laughs> um, and, and then he arranges for a prescription for her to pick up 
um, which is totally ethical for your boyfriend to be doing that too. But <laughs> Without running like any tests or anything, yeah, which just, would not ever happen because antibiotics are for like very specific things. So it's like yeah. if you didn't, you wouldn't just like randomly clock some symptoms that you can see and then be like, here's some antibiotics. Yeah. But like this was obvious. I mean, I saw what was happening from the very beginning. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everyone did. It was very obvious what was happening yeah we still are not sure if he somehow poisoned uh bruce but we know he's doing something to amanda for sure well yeah because he was like because he him and caitlin were like ah we've got a plan to get her out of here <laughs> you know so yeah yeah twirling his imaginary mustache um so while picking up that prescription that Peter left for her, Amanda runs into Kimberly, who tells her Michael and Peter are playing golf. And Kimberly says the four of them should have dinner at the beach house sometime. Um, <laughs> that's a, an interesting little uh, swinging switcheroo to think about. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you like if I was Amanda, I would just be like, what? Uh, like. What? Yeah, like I don't, I don't get why, <laughs> why Kimberly wants that. Why would we that. do that? Like, why would we ever do that? Like, based on our history as people, yeah. why would we just have this like dinner at your house? Okay, sure. Yeah, that's super weird to think about. <laughs> um, Amanda finds Matt and asks him to investigate Peter's research grants, and Matt rightfully wonders why he should help her. And Amanda suggests that maybe his rent won't go up like everybody else's is if he does. Um, Sydney puts up a roommate wanted sign at a diner and pulls down all the others. Um, the server there named Ricky sees that she has this pile of little signs that she took down and asks about the apartment and says she needs a place. Uh, yeah. And after viewing that apartment, Nikki decides to move in with Sydney. <laughs> so wait, okay. So they were working together. No. Sydney's, oh, it was a different place. Sydney's, it wasn't Shooters. Sydney's at a okay. diner, yeah. Right, I forgot. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, even though it's just this little one bedroom and I'm not sure if they're going to like threes company it where the girls share a bed. I don't know. Um, sounds kind of hot. Who knows? Um, well, I mean, because the person is Tracy Lords. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like, oh my god! The second she popped up on screen again, I was like, Tracy Lords, what? Oh my god! Yeah, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Tracy Lords, she is a powerhouse. She does music. She acts. She's amazing. She does have a little bit of a dark past because uh, she did porn when she was underage. Um, and I have to tell you, so right now the background of my zoom is, uh, Tracy Lords and Laura Layton <laughs> together. And I was actually kind of hoping to find maybe one of Tracy Lords and Jasmine guy. And I Googled Tracy Lords, Jasmine guy. And that is not what the pictures were at all. Oh. Um, so I'm just going to tell you, um, be very careful if you Google, Tracy Lords, because um, you're going to find a lot of pictures that are not safe for work. And hopefully <laughs> she was over 18 in all of them, but I cannot be sure. I closed the tab with a quickness. <laughs> right. Um, 
Yeah. So yeah, Tracy Lords, we're excited. Uh, a misconception: she is not in the band Lords of Acid, but she does make music that is a lot like the music they make. It just seems like she would be because of the name Lords. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Billy tries to visit Allison and complains to Matt that she's never around, but he says Matt. Uh, Matt says that it's not surprising that she's keeping busy now that she's sober, which is a great observation, Matt. Thank you. He says Billy just needs to be 100% supportive and maybe he should go to an AA meeting with Allison. So um, Billy does just that. He finds the meeting somehow um, of the thousands of AA meetings in LA. Um, And he arrives just when Allison starts talking about Terry, uh, thus intensifying his already huge jealousy. Um, Speaking of which, Allison wakes up with Terry and confesses that she doesn't know how her life fits together anymore. He and sobriety make sense to her, but she feels alienated from the gang. He says, well, you should just come to Miami and watch me win a big football game. Um, that's a playoff game, right? I don't know how that works. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, which is a a really funny response. She's like, I'm feeling really alienated from all my friends. Well, why don't you travel cross country? Great advice. Um, Matt comes to D and D with info about Peter's grant, which doesn't exist according to the hospital computer files. Excuse me. He also found a new grant from the same company handled by Michael. She heads to the hospital to confront Michael for stealing her blackmail idea. (laughs) Then she chats with the insurance company dude um, after peeing in a cup for her drug test, not realizing that she'll probably fail her drug test. Peter calls her at home the next morning and reminds her to take that entire course of her antibiotics. And he says he can't wait to bone her. And she says they'll do it that night, even though she still feels like crap. (laughs) And and without even hanging up the phone, Peter bones Caitlin some more. (laughs) Um, Ricky starts moving in with an army of friends. She has like this entourage. And she says that that whole group of girls are going to be Sydney's new friends. Ricky spots Billy and asks Sydney if they ever boned. Um, she tells Sydney that the two of them are going to get in lots of trouble. Um, Allison meets Terry in Miami and they bone on the couch in his suites, but he doesn't win his big playoff game and comes back to the hotel ready to drink. Allison suggests sex or a movie instead. And he says he won't drink, but she has to clean out the mini bar to remove that temptation. Peter, Caitlin, and the insurance dude wait in Amanda's office to tell her that she tested positive for THC, the active ingredient in marijuana, and Peter fires her, um, which I thought they would let Caitlin do that. She was just dying to do it. Um, Amanda figures out that Peter set her up with weed pills and tells him she'll be handing him his jewels on a silver platter. Billy joins Amanda in her apartment for some reason while she searches for a stray weed pill so that she can have it tested. 
and Billy confesses that he saw Caitlin and Peter together and she does find the pill. It was under her dresser. Ricky goes through Sydney's photo album, asking lots of questions about Sydney's family. She tells Sydney a personal fulfillment sem- about a personal fulfillment seminar that she's enrolled in. And we all and knew this was coming, right? The second this happened and I was like, of course, Sydney's going to get involved in like a cult. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Of course. Like it's extremely. Yes, ex- exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yep. This is very Sydney to get <laughs> like involved in a cult. Yeah. And, uh, but at least it's somebody interesting bringing her into it. Uh, uh, Amanda asks Matt to have the pill analyzed and he agrees because his carefully constructed paper trail is missing a few, a few key files, which he figures are on Peter's personal computer. Matt confirms via a test that the pills were THC and says that they can be traced back to Peter, but that'll take a couple of weeks. Um, So she'll have to bluff for the time being. She goes to the hospital to tell Peter that she knows what he did and that he has to confess in front of the board. He tries to blow her off, but she pretends to have proof. Peter heads to Michael to update him and points out that the only THC product in the hospital is tied to his research project. Allison returns to D&D to find a lot of people cleaning out their desks, and Billy tells her that he saved her job when Caitlin said he could pick one person to be spared. Um, And honestly, who else does Billy even know in that place? They never show them talking to anybody else except for assistants that get fired immediately because Amanda's jealous. Um, anyway, he apologizes to Allison about Miami over dinner at Montezino's, of course. And then he proposes. Um, <laughs> you know, that doesn't go over well. So then he says that it could just be a friendship ring or anything she wants and she should just keep it. Billy spots the ring back at the office and tells her she's a classic codependent who's traded one addiction for another. Um, Like he knows anything about anything. (laughs) Uh, Sydney and Ricky run into Jake in the courtyard and Ricky says the motivational seminar from her spiritual guru, guru, Martin, which is a great name for a spiritual guru. Martin. Martin. Um, can help her get Jake back. That is, um, you know, because Jake is not seeing Sydney anymore. Um, that this this seminar can help with that. And best of all, it's free. Sydney goes to the meeting and meets the enigmatic Martin. Uh, his speech is a typical self help spiel about mind over matter. Changing your mind can change your life, etc. Um, I didn't make a note about this, but I remember him. Martin is so 90s. He has the perfect length for 90s hair. Oh, yeah. Very Um, 90s hair. Yeah. Lots of um, long-sleeved mock turtlenecks in his wardrobe, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Michael calls Amanda to let her know that she was right. Peter's out to destroy them. She says to meet him at the hospital at midnight so they can find and copy 
Peter's personal files, but Peter catches them in his office and injects her with a drug to simulate appendicitis. Mike. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) And I love how, so like Peter got Michael to get Amanda to this, to, to here by telling her like Peter told Michael that it was, he was going to make a deal with her or whatever. Right. And like, Michael just totally fell for it. And yeah. yeah. Like, you know, um, Peter is going to kill her. And make- it was so obvious to me that like Peter was doing something nefarious. Cause he's like, but don't tell her anything. Cause I want right. to be the one to tell her. And I'm just like, Michael, like for a guy that is so like, you're so sneaky. How are you not like suspicious at all of Peter? I guess, and like he he's thinks he's do. the only one who can do that stuff, I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Michael threatens to call the police, but Peter convinces him that they should operate on Amanda together and kill her. In the OR, he orders Michael... <laughs> OR and they're being so weird and there's all those other people there because right. there's like nurses and stuff and none of them seem to think that anything is happening until Michael freaks out yeah. but I'm just like how did they convince all these people anyway it was crazy <laughs> um, this was truly insane like this was truly insane yeah yeah it was great uh, so he orders Michael to cut Amanda but Michael he he does the right thing somehow and he tells everyone what Peter did and then Michael knocks Peter out and tells the staff what to give Amanda to stop the drug induced spasms. Um God. Which, which thankfully um Michael I guess is a good enough doctor to do that because you know <sighs> uh Allison comes to Terry's house and finds him laughing in bed with another woman as she mounts him. Uh, He says that it's just part of his addiction. Uh, And she gives him back his ring and leaves. Terry finds her outside D and D and tries to apologize. But when Allison says that they don't really have anything in common, he basically agrees and says, he's a big football star and she's a loser. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, The next morning, Amanda wakes up late for her board meeting but Michael stops her from leaving the hospital and says that he told the police everything and that he saved her life. And, um, you know, of course he's going to think that she owes him something. Um, But Amanda leaves anyway and crashes the board meeting and tells them that Peter was in cahoots with Caitlin and drugged her. They reveal Peter's in police custody and that Caitlin was actually Peter's secretary before. She's not a powerful efficiency expert she's been play acting this whole time amanda and caitlin exchange barbs and caitlin loses her cool which makes the board realize amanda's the better choice for presidents and they reinstate her caitlin vows revenge which is okay but okay so this scene cracked me up too because like basically like the board meeting is happening caitlin's about to get her way and then they bust in and they're like no and this stuff happens and okay so like as a board member i don't think that i would just be like oh well caitlin's clearly crazy so alice amanda you must be great like here you go like i don't know i feel like i 
I feel like if all this was playing out in front of me as a board member, I would be way more suspicious of sort of all of these people mm-hmm. and like want and be like, okay, uh, investigation time or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was just, it was just so, it was just, it was just sort of hilariously cut and dried in this way that was crazy. It was yeah. just crazy. Yeah, I do like how it's written like, um, with like a middle school understanding of how business is <laughs> like, like they know that there are boards and meetings and takeovers and stuff, but it's all, it's all just so simple beyond that. Right. Um, Ricky wants Sydney to buy Martin's books, almost just like Scientology. Um, and she says that she'll make a lot of money if she does, which is interesting to me because Ricky doesn't have any money. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, and she offers Sydney a job in Martin's office and says that she can take the courses now and pay for them later when she can afford to. Um, moving on over to Joe's world, um, Joe finds Jake at Shooters to tell him that Emily kidnapped Austin, um, which is interesting to think about because she should be at the airport right now and that makes me wonder if she even bothered telling anybody goodbye that all happened so fast uh they realized together that emily didn't just randomly kidnap the kid she showed up out of nowhere specifically to do all this joe confronts kimberly at the hospital about it and she admits that she told the carters that the baby was still alive and joe punches her out (laughs) (laughs) Joe packs a bag and has her gun out, ready to take Matt's car, his geotracker, and shoot the Carters if they won't give her the baby back. This is getting very lifetime, by the way, and I'm here for it. Um, Joe, wait, um, let's see. He agrees that she should go after Austin, but he says he'll come along and that the gun will stay home. At a diner, Joe thinks that she sees Emily and Austin, but when she chases after them, discovers it's just some other woman with brown hair and bangs and a baby. Um, Jake and Joe. Oh, and earlier I made it seem like Matt was on this trip, but he's not. It's Jake. <laughs> Jake and Joe get caught trying to break into the Carter's house by a neighbor. They pretend to be relatives and try to get more info but he doesn't buy it and he threatens to call the police which um that's really nice of him um i would have such a hard time confronting somebody at somebody's house i think about that a lot for sure that's that takes guts (laughs) um joe can't sleep at the hotel and jake assures her that he'll always be by her side and then they (laughs) they bone (laughs) because Nothing makes me horny like a kidnapped baby. (laughs) Uh, Jake asks the owner of the hotel about the lake nearby and finds the Carter's listing in the phone book. And on the way to the lake, Jake asks if Joe wants to talk about what happened, as in the boning. He confesses that he feels closer to her than ever And she says that she loved being with him, but her relationship now is with her child. And that's all she has room for, Um, which is a lot of crap, if you ask me. (laughs) Um, 
Jake and Joe watch the Carters arrive at their cabin with no baby, but Joe's not convinced that they don't have him. Later, Emily pulls up with Austin, and Jake stops her from rushing in to take him back. He says the only way to ensure that she gets to keep Austin is to get the cops involved. He leaves her alone in the car while he goes to a payphone down the hill. Um, Mr. Carter emerges from the cabin with a shotgun and Joe gets out of the car. Mrs. Carter hears her. So Joe emerges from her hiding spot and confronts her while Mr. Carter circles around and holds her at gunpoint from behind and then shoots her in the back when she runs, which is supposed to be like the number one rule about guns is that when people run, you don't shoot them in the back. You just are glad that they ran. Uh, so <laughs> Joe just got fucking shot. <laughs> Jake tells the sheriff what happened and he arrests Mr. Carter. Um, and you know, obviously Joe's going to be fine. I mean, Jake was on a boat that fucking exploded and he was fine. <laughs> even though it turned Amanda's dad into a meat skeleton. <laughs> uh, Joe wakes up at the hospital doing really well for somebody who was just shot in the damn back. Austin is with a social worker and there will be a hearing in a few days in Los Angeles. Mrs. Carter comes to the hospital in the middle of the night to threaten Joe with years of court proceedings should she win. She also says that she'd rather let She'd rather see God take Austin than let Joe have him. Which is basically like a threat to kill the kid. I think and so. Like, I think so. Should be reported for sure. Yeah. And also that's just fucked up. Like, yeah. Like, like what is their fucking problem? I mean, like, I, I mean, this is all explaining how they raised a son that was mm. so terrible. And, <laughs> <laughs> right. And I guess they figure Austin is like their chance at a do over. And maybe that's how they'll get into heaven. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But like these people are not cut out to be parents. No. And now, now they're even older than the first time they tried. So good luck. At least they have more money probably. Anyway, Joe recuperates at Melrose place and tells Jane that she doesn't know how she'll make it through the custody hearing the next day. That hearing is very dramatic. And Joe tells the judge, the baby should be given to a completely new family. If he doesn't believe that she can give him a peaceful life. The judge tells the Carters that they are morally bankrupt and the shooting has nullified their custody agreement. And he wants to explore giving Austin away. Joe's lawyer brings Austin to her in the courthouse hallway for a visit before he is sent off with a new family. Matt has arranged for Austin. I, I love how Matt can somehow be involved in this. Matt has arranged for Austin to be given Joe's info when he turns 18 so he can contact her should he want to. And they have a tearful goodbye. You know, when this all went down, I was like, wow. You know, when she first found out she was pregnant, we really just thought she was going to fall down some stairs and have a miscarriage. And they managed to get rid of this baby, I have to say, in a very uncharacteristically long and dramatic yeah. arc for Melrose Place. Yeah, we are always talking about how they cannot make anything take more than two to three episodes. Right. And this was like, I don't know, 
I can't remember when she found out she was pregnant. I think it I think was it was like, in season two. Yeah. Like, I think this is bled over. This is a lot. And, you know, it must have been tempting because she did have that. She has a second floor apartment. There are stairs right there. Yeah. And I was like starting to be like, man, they're never going to get rid of this baby. Like. I really thought the baby was going to be a character on Melrose Place. And, and was not into it. they got rid of the baby. But this was not the way that we would have expected. So kudos yeah. to you, Melrose Place. Um, I, very inventive. I hope someday that they listen to this and know how impressed we are. <laughs> Even though we've spent the last however many episodes yes. talking about how not impressed we have talked we are. a lot of shit about <laughs> your writing but this look i'm not this saying works. i'm not saying we take it all back <laughs> but we're impressed yes you did something right so now we're on episode 18 and it's another perfect day in hell which is like the best description of melrose place ever right um michael walks in late to a staff meeting where everyone learns matt will be conducting cycle board <laughs> Okay, we're um, back. Okay. <laughs> so another perfect day in hell. Michael walks in late to a staff meeting where everyone learns that Michael, Mike, Matt will be <laughs> conducting psychological evaluations. And the way that they said it was the funniest thing that has ever happened on this show. Mm-hmm. Like the episode opens up and they literally were like, um, due to everything that's been going on at this hospital, we are going to be doing psychological evaluations on everybody. And it cracked me up. It was so funny. Yeah. Like y'all are really extra and we got to make sure nothing else happens. But the psychological evaluations on everyone in the whole hospital are going to be done by somebody who works for the hospital. Yeah. That's weird. Like that does not make any sense. Um, Kimberly balks. She he reminds her that he has a double uh, MS in clinical psychology and social work, and the dude running the meeting cites her attitude as another mm. example of the arrogance Peter showed, which got the hospital in trouble. Um, in the locker room, Kimberly complains that the evaluations are an invasion of privacy and that she's tired of having to prove herself. Um, he jokingly asks her a sample question first of the time that she dresses Jane and ran him down, which she doesn't find funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and he being Michael, yeah. that was not in there, but like Kimberly's complaining to Michael and he's like, Oh, like that's like, what would you say about the psychological state of somebody who like wore a wig to look at anyway? It was so funny. And that's why I say, I feel like they're leaning into like how insane their relationship is. Cause now they're just joking about it. Yeah. Um, Kimberly visits Matt's office to kiss his ass and asks him to skip hers. Um, he dismisses her reasoning about these things being harder for women by saying it's a gender neutral test. Sure. And that he's only coordinating it so that he can't, um, so he can't remove her from the roster. Um, and her test, which I thought about that. And I was like, I don't understand that if he's coordinating it, then he <laughs> totally, I feel like could, but her test is at 2 PM. She calls him from, uh, she calls him a cipher and says that with Peter gone, she'll be back on the social services board soon and can make his life a mm. living hell. Have you ever heard anybody call somebody else a cipher ever in your life? No. No, like, I'm, I'm never a hundred percent sure I understand what that word means. To be honest, I looked it up and I forgot. Um, it's it's weird. 
It's like the it's it's like one of the writers learned a new word and just had to use it. Right. <laughs> um, after her test, Matt recommends intense therapy for Kimberly, and she wants him to change the results, citing the fact that he previously changed the blood numbers. <laughs> Um, she leaves without signing her paperwork, saying she'll have to think about it in a threatening tone. Also, I'm surprised that she just needed intense therapy. Like, I'm surprised she was not removed from doing her job. Um, Jake grabs the paper. He surprisingly subscribes to office door Matt and brings it up to Joe. Uh, he wants to date again, but she, while she's grateful, she's not, got so much grieving to do alone. He says he'll be around if she needs him. Amanda calls a staff meeting to tell everyone they have to tighten their belts because lots of the staff were fired and lots of clients bailed. She shoots down Allison's suggestion to cancel the charity ball and puts Allison and Billy in charge of it instead. In a very empty office... Um, Allison tells Billy that she wants to make amends and apologizes for all the pain she's caused and thanks him for getting her into the program at Twin, Twin Oaks. She'll always be his friend and will always love him. Just when she says she's ready to put the te- past behind her, her sister Meredith walks in. Mm-hmm. She's in town for a librarian symposium and came to apologize. Sydney stuffs envelopes with Ricky at the cult slash program headquarters and martin comes in to personally thank her for her contributions she's still skeptical but martin manages to win her over later at shooters she tells jake all about what's in martin's books and tries to recruit him he warns her that martin's group is probably dangerous joe arrives and we learn that someone put sugar in joe's gas tank and she can't afford the repairs. Sydney mutters that she's got what she deserves and leaves. So, yeah, this is going to be a thing going on. <laughs> um, over dinner, Meredith says she's bummed about Billy and Allison and that she thinks they'll get back together. Then she tells Allison that she's never had a real relationship because she's never been able to have sex with a man after being abused by their father. She wants to, but she can't figure out how to unlock that side of herself. Allison thinks shopping for new clothes will help, so she'll visit. So they'll visit Jane's studio. <laughs> Which that idea is hilarious to me. You've never been able to have sex because you don't feel sexy because of years of abuse. Why not put some Jane Mancini designs on your body and see if that awakens something? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's, it's very silly, and it's it's. It's a thing that's going to lead us to another thing in the plot. So it's just like one of those things where it's just leading us in a direction. Mm -hmm. So Sydney and Ricky put on little dresses and head out to go clubbing, but run into Jane on the way out. Who's mad that Ricky's wearing her dress. Ricky says, why don't you just take the damn thing now and pulls it off and tells Jane Sydney doesn't need her anymore because she has a real family. Now they cackle as they head up the stairs to find something else for Ricky to wear. I got to say that was an iconic scene where Tracy Lord just rips this dress off and storms up the stairs in a bra and panties and heels to find something else to wear. That was awesome. Right. Very on brand. So Amanda does a terrible job at a client meeting, pissing the client off, but Allison takes over and blows his hair back with talk of the charity ball and related concept. 
Um, Amanda's pissed, of course, and sends Allison off to work on the charity ball invitations. Billy stays behind to try to reason with Amanda and says she should see a doctor. Meredith and Allison bond at Jane's design studio, but Jane discovers all her dresses have been torn to shreds. Who could have done this? And I think we all know who everybody's going to blame, which is probably Sydney, who's at home bonding with Ricky over ice cream. Jane bursts in to confront Sydney about the dresses and demands the key to the studio back, but Sydney says she has no idea what she's talking about. Ricky uses this as another example of why Sydney needs to separate herself from her family and friends. And this is, I like, this is where I started to think that, like, it was probably Ricky that was doing these things mm-hmm. um, to get everybody to blame Sydney. Joe arrives, and, like, Ricky keeps leaning on this whole, like, you need to, like, you're, the people in your life need to take responsibility for their own shit, you know, which very much is, like, this is all going to help isolate Sydney from her people mm-hmm. and make her more of a sitting duck for the cult. Um, Joe arrives home to find her apartment door open and all her camera equipment stolen. She has the shooters to confront Sydney, who denies it, and Ricky pushes her away. Jake bring, uh, breaks it up and sends Sydney home. At the charity ball, clients gush over Allison and Jane wonders why Michael and Kimberly are there. Um, also, why Alice, why is Jane there? Why is Jane there? I don't know. Like, why is anybody here? Why are these people even friends? I have no idea. Allison explains that they're partners in the company. Uh, Michael tells Kimberly to cool it with the martinis, and she orders another. Billy tells Michael that he's worried about Amanda and asks him to try to diagnose her headaches and weakness. Meredith asks Billy how she looks in her new sexy dress and asks him to dance. She explains that while they dance, that she needs to work on her sexuality and presses herself against him. Kimberly gets mad watching Michael put his hands all over Amanda and Amanda passes out. Um... And the minute Amanda passed out, I was like, I wonder if she's pregnant. Um, <laughs> please, that was my first thought. Please, no. I was like, oh, my God, is Amanda pregnant? I can't handle so Ricky's, it. <laughs> Ricky swipes the keys to shooters and heads over to rob the register. But since it's empty, he trashes the place instead. Two guys tell Matt that he's in the wrong neighborhood and beat him up. And an officer visits him in the hospital and tells him that he's gay, too, and will do everything he can to find the guys who beat him up. Amanda visits Michael for a blood test and he says that she needs to rest, but she says uh, she's the only thing keeping the place afloat. Billy comes home from a jog and finds Meredith naked in his bed. (laughs) Allison comes over to talk about work and Billy does the worst job ever of trying to handle the situation. Like, I gotta say, if Billy would have just run out into his living room and left uh meredith hidden in his bedroom he probably could have gotten rid of allison and avoided this whole confrontation um but he just flops around until allison comes in and sees everything (laughs) right well i mean i don't think he was expecting you know i mean he wasn't expecting any of this to happen so and it's billy he's right billy sucks at everything so billy sucks at everything so um, Ricky brings the camera she stole from Joe to Martin, who says that they can sell it as soon as they scrape the serial numbers off. Then they have a little cult ceremony welcoming Sydney officially. 
Kimberly wakes Matt up in his hospital bed and reveals that it wasn't a random hate crime. She arranged it because she hates him. <laughs> so it was a hate crime. Uh, just a different kind of hate. So Sydney finds Joe, Jane, and Jake cleaning up at Shooters. Jake fires her, and Jane has already called her probation officer. And for some reason, Sydney hasn't figured out she's being set up. Meredith puts some clothes on and apologizes to Allison for trying to bone Billy. Allison's not mad, but she does say that she needs therapy. Michael comes to Amanda's apartment to tell her that she may have Hodgkin's disease. She doesn't believe a word of it and angrily throws him out and tells him she never wants to hear from him again. Oh, I forgot to look it up. Is Hodgkin's disease a form of cancer? Yes. Okay. So there's like, it's a form of lymphoma. So there's like... Hodgkin's lymphoma and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. Um, mm. Yeah. So she's got cancer, cancer. And I mean, I accidentally watched ahead. Oh. So I've seen the next episode. Um, um, yeah. I just have one wish. Um, now that we've come to this impasse, and that's I really want to see bald Amanda. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can, I'm like, I can picture it in my head. I can see it. Yeah. I mean, I figure I probably would have seen a screenshot or a gif of it by now if it ever happened, but I can still hold out hope. I mean, considering how many times I've seen a clip of uh, Kimberly ripping her hair Mm -hmm. off to reveal the scar. Um... Cool. Well, this was a very um, intense set of episodes. Yeah. A lot of things happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm really glad that we did decide to because when when I realized that I was watching a really long episode, I texted and I was like, "Should we still do three, or should we make this a two episode one since one of them was really long?" And we did the three, and I think that worked out well. So. Yeah, we've only been recording for like a little over an hour yeah. and 15 minutes. So we don't want to hear any feedback about how we shouldn't talk about our own lives at the start of the show because <laughs> we like look, to. Look, this is, this is not uh, this is not look, this is not a try hard podcast. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is not, we are not try hards. We're not trying to be pros. We don't really actually care if you like our podcast. No, we do it because <laughs> this we is like just it. a thing that we do yeah. to escape the ever-present reality that someday we're just gonna die. So anyway, um, on that note, um, follow I follow us on Instagram. Melrose Instagram. Sheltering in Place on Instagram. I think we have seven followers on Instagram. Yep. How many followers do we have? Um, it's a little more than that. Let me let me look here. Instagram, Melrose sheltering in place. We have fourteen followers. Dang, yeah, crazy. So yeah, get on that train on the ground floor, and that was a mixed metaphor. And follow us on mm, the Instagram yeah. and. Uh, And yeah, um, until next time, thanks for joining us. Thanks, y'all. See you later. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, your audio went weird.
Yeah. 